Welcome to Conversations With, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Beth Hicks, an equestrian and country portrait photographer and vlogger. Today I have the amazing Evie Lewis on with me. Do you want to introduce yourself? I would love to introduce myself. Uh, so I'm Evie, I'm a equine portrait photographer, I do a little bit of vlogging, a little bit of writing, commercial photography. Tell us a little bit about your business. So my business initially started during my A-levels. I actually flopped my first year of A-levels and decided that photography was the one for me. And when I restarted my first year, that's sort of when I re well, that's when I launched my photography business uh, alongside my A-levels. And this continued further into university? Yeah, so my photography business started in 2015, so it's been running for about five years now. And yeah, it went all alongside uni and has been running alongside my full-time job for the last year, which is really, really nice. How did you cope with juggling a business of your own with university and now a business and working a full-time job as well? Well, the short answer, Beth, is that for a long time I didn't cope with it. It's very much like a life of ebbs and flows in the fact that sometimes, like, if my work is a bit quieter, then I have more time to focus on my photography business and it's a bit more successful. But other times, there it just gets to a point when life happens that photography business, unfortunately, just has to be put on a shelf. And it's one of those things that I'm super grateful for the fact that I can sort of pick it up and put it down. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I can, if I need a break from it, I can just not engage. I can put the camera away for a month or so and then I can pick it back up. And it's not, it's not a skill that goes away. I'm very grateful for that. You hinted at a bit of almost like burnout. So burnout for me is something that I unfortunately suffer from fairly regularly, mainly for the fact that I can preach all I like about self-care, but I'm actually pants at practicing it myself. And I mean, Beth and I have talked quite a lot about in the last couple of weeks about how in the summer, like for equine photographers, it's literally a case of making hay while the sun shines. But as photographers, we sort of, the summer for us is like our bread and butter we you know we have the long golden hours we have the beautiful light and unfortunately we're in the position where we have to book clients as much as we can and for a lot of us that means working unsociable hours I don't know if you would agree Beth oh 100% I've had shoots last week where I'm driving home along the A14 at half past 10 at night finishing a shoot uh, not getting until 11 half past 11 but that is the nature of our jobs but it's amazing. And you have to make the most of the summer as well, particularly for the portrait photography. It's very much seasonal work. Um, oh, it absolutely is, yeah. So our prime season is obviously summer, and you get bits in spring and autumn, but very few people want it in the winter. So yeah. fitting in as much as you possibly can over those months without burning out, without neglecting things like self-care and still somehow maintaining a photography business and yourself, your essence. Oh God, when you say all that, you can think of the plates that are in the air sometimes. In the summer we have, I mean, on any day I could be doing, say, client orders, then an edit, then sorting out the housework because I live on my own, then you know, you've got to, got to see someone, you've got to have a social life, then you've got to go and do a shoot in the evening, and then you've got to get up the next morning because you've got to ride the horse. Things like fitting in the horse, fitting in the dog. It's just like, when you realise how many things you have that you've got to juggle, you go, how the 
heck do I do that? Yeah, the juggle, the juggling act is a nightmare. And it can go, I, I can bounce from either being like, oh, let's take the day off. And then suddenly a week has passed. Or I go the other way, which is what I've literally just done. I've done three weeks every single day with a camera in my hand. And as a result, needing some pretty serious time off because that burnout is, it's real. Like, you can have as many ways that you can try, you know, you can have as many bubble baths as you like to try and help yourself. But at the end of the day, you need to have that time off, that time with loved ones and that real boundary setting. Boundaries are so important. And I'm really bad at not giving myself that break. Mm. So I'm a bit notorious for, because I do a bit of freelance photography for other event photographers, yeah, many so of which are back in Gloucester because that's where I met most of them because that's I started doing the freelance stuff when I was at uni and so I'll quite often book a week of photo shoots over in Gloucester have one day off and try and crowd fitting all my uni friends into that one day I end up finishing that week exhausted having yeah. to book another three hour drive back to Cambridge from Gloucester and I'll come back shattered I'll be shattered for a few I'll come back shattered I'll be shattered for a few days on end afterwards so I actually had to force myself now that we can travel again to take a week off next week to just go mm. and have that social life but spread it over a few days rather than all crammed into one do you really suffer from guilt 100 percent. like i'm already feeling guilty about the fact that I take, i'm taking next week off and going okay what how can i cram everything that i need to do to maintain that social media presence make it seem like i'm still working next week how can i do that before now like before that point before wednesday when it is like, and do you feel oh, like in a, when you just said then you've got to make it seem like you're still working uh, if someone said to me if uh, if i saw like like for example you on social media saying okay guys i'm having a week off i'd be like oh my god have a lovely week off enjoy i don't want to hear from you for a week so do you feel like there's something within that's saying i must be there and i must show up i must still be showing and that's it it's not necessarily less still seem like i'm working it's still showing up on social media so it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's that worry that you'll get forgotten because particularly with the equestrian industry there are so many of us nowadays Mm -hmm. and i don't want i it's almost like you don't want to feel like you're getting lost in the noise do you know what i mean yeah Yeah. and so you've got to maintain that social media presence but the reality is not all of your following sees your posts anyway, for one. So they're not going to miss if they miss you if they miss three days worth of posts because quite often they probably do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've like I'm not testing this theory intentionally and testing it accidentally because of the fact that I've been so busy I haven't had any social media scheduled. I haven't posted since the 31st of July and my followers have gone up. And I'm not saying that that's like a technique to use i would recommend but it's interesting for me that i'm i was going oh my god i need to post i need to do this i need to do this i need to keep my business running even though i am on my last legs in actual fact i think when you're honest with your followers and you just go guys i need a break they respect that and they really engage with the community because i think people can relate so much more to someone that's being honest with them and saying I need a break from this whirlwind that is social media there's somebody that's trying to keep the presence up and continuously being like I'm here I'm amazing I'm doing it all I'm doing it all because I'm not <laughs> yeah that's it I'm not that type of woman but it's so easy to try and create that image on social media it's so easy and yeah. it's 
then really easy to fall into the comparison trap oh it's so easy it's one of those things that like i can see i can feel myself scrolling and it's usually before when i'm meant to be going to sleep and i'll suddenly be like oh, you've just woken up and the first thing you do is instagram yeah and then i think i have started my day with comparing myself and knocking my own self-esteem what the hell am i doing it's like i wouldn't wake up and parade 60 victoria's secret models around my bed and then go oh off you go go and have a good day because you wouldn't do that would you no so now I'm like, okay, let's put the phone down. Well, unfollow anybody that gives that negative, like gives you that negative comparison that you're comparing yourself. Put the blinkers yeah. on and protect yourself. Yeah. I, the reality is as well, you'll be comparing yourself to other photographers or bloggers or anything like that and all these negative thoughts about your own work and stuff coming into play you wouldn't be saying it to, you wouldn't say those things to someone else so why should, why are you saying them to yourself exactly like, why are you beating yourself up why are you putting so much pressure into yourself yeah. on yourself one thing that i always like i'll see i'll see this and it makes me go it makes my stomach drop and it's when photographers go okay guys i'm fully booked for the rest of the month or i'm fully booked for september or i'm taking bookings for november and it's the middle of August and I sit there and think oh my god how have they done that how are they and I mean even in the middle of a pandemic I'm like that's insane that they're doing that but why aren't I booking them why am I not getting those people coming to me or why am I not putting myself in front of those people but I think we really have to remember that people have different definitions of fully booked so For me, I don't know, I do I think we we've got quite similar lifestyles and the fact that we could probably work every single evening and there wouldn't like I've got no kids, I haven't got a horse. So I could work every single evening and not yeah. have a problem, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. And that for me would then be fully booked. Whereas a mum of two that, say, wants to spend her weekends with her kids, so she would give, say, two nights a month, would need to book two shoes, and then she is fully booked. booked. And yeah, they, exactly. everyone has different things to juggle. And I mean, we've spoken about it before, about how a lot of people will come home and they'll work for free. I did. When I last came home in June, I worked for free for the whole week. And in my head, I was fully booked because every evening I had a shoot. But that doesn't mean I was making money. That's another contributing factor is that we never know what photographers are earning or whether they're being paid for it or whether they're not. And for us to then compare ourselves to them and say, oh, but they're fully booked. Why am I not? We're being cruel to ourselves. You're putting unnecessary pressure on yourself to then for it to all be for nothing. You're putting pressure on the fact that there's something might be the illusion. You don't know that. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. So stop tra- comparing yourself to them because they live completely different mm-hmm. lifestyles to what you live. They say you don't know what goes on behind closed doors for a bloody good reason yeah everyone wants to create that perfect feed yeah and reality is is there any such thing as a perfect lifestyle different people choose to show different things on social media brings us quite nicely into like into talking about mental health within our industry and particularly our our experience of it as photographers that the fact that i'm quite open about the fact that i suffer from anxiety i have done for the last year 18 months or so and it just comes in ebbs and flows like i've gone three months without a panic attack and then i have a corker of one on sunday and it knocks me for nines and so i've always tried to be pretty open on my social media so i'm pretty open about the fact that i'm dyspraxic and adhd like it's no secret i've I've talked about it i've talked about it in blog posts i've talked about how much pressure i put on myself my own experiences with anxiety and depression that i suffer from uni and social media is both very good at helping that but also hindering it. Absolutely, absolutely it agree. It does depend on how you choose to use it. You can, it, this applies to a lot of things in life is that you have the power and you can control what you consume. And if you're consuming negative stuff, 
that's not going to help an already negative situation. And do you tend to find that when your mood is lower, you tend to unintentionally gravitate towards the more negative posts? I do. And as a result of that, I will just turn it off and I'm like, let's not play this game. I don't know if this comes from being quite creative, but also being quite academic. But I'm such a perfectionist. If things don't go the way I want them to go, I would beat myself up about it and then I'll compare myself to people who I think are doing it right and it's just like I sometimes have to take a step back and tell myself like Lebeth when does everything go right every single day it just doesn't it doesn't not for anybody so why are you putting this pressure on yourself I can remember when I first started my third year project when I was creating my book I did this shoot and it was about studio lighting with horses and I remember it giving like this taking this picture and you only get the flash and you can see the shadow on the background the you got red eye in the photo and I can remember literally looking at the back of my camera holding it up against my vision board and being like well what the hell happened here then and <laughs> my mum turned around and said to me well has that guy not been doing that for 50 years and I was like well yes and she went okay well you're on day one so let's not get too quick to like wrap this up like don't get negative about it because he's got 50 years on you and you're two hours in so let's rein back that negative thinking that's it and I sometimes forget that sort of like my idols in the photography world like whose work I really really admire they've been doing this for like double the amount of time three yeah, times the amount of time so I've like, they've been around the block yeah they've established themselves like reality is is that we're still finding our feet in this industry because we've had those few years where we've been at uni and we've been doing our A-levels we've not been doing it from time so we're still finding our feet we're still working out where we fit in what sort of style we want to have yeah we're still learning all of that what's a amazing is that those that did it 10 years ago they didn't help have all of the free help and resources that we had we have within our little posse of equine photographers of our generation we have a community that we can I, go to for help i love that community but... yeah, we all we, I mean, Beth and I have like a little group chat with a couple of other photographers and we will put in pictures or any concerns or any like doubts. And those girls are like cheerleaders. They really they are. Give us a quick slap around the face and they'll say, now get on. And if we can help, we will. But otherwise I say, now crack on, pick your camera up and off you go. We're so lucky to have that because so much of this industry, like you say, there's so many of us, is that there is a bit of competition. There is in every single industry, isn't there? But we're lucky that we've got a very lovely community that we yeah. and th- we have support now that five ten years ago the equivalent of photographers to us like those staff who have a few years into their business still figuring things out they didn't have that support no it was still and very not- much, the photography industry was still very much closed off going i'm not going to offer help because yeah. that might take clients away from me whereas now it's a completely different story and i think i don't know whether this is a slightly controversial opinion but I think the photography industry we're in is particularly women-led now, which I think has made a huge difference. And there's a lot of kindness. And I yeah. really pride myself on that and the fact that if any photographer needs any help and they DM me on Instagram, I will get back to them and I will offer an honest... I won't hold anything back, if that makes sense. I view it the fact that there are, there are different like tiers of photographers. And this happens in every single industry. It's not just equine photography, it's all industries. Yeah. And the fact that eventually you get to a tier... And and the photography is pretty much the same. Like there's different styles and that, but they're all of a really high standard. And at that point, it's so down to just who you get on with as a person. Because having your photograph done is such an intimate experience that you want somebody that you get on with and makes you feel comfortable. 
that's it you've got to choose someone based on which style you like because yes all the different yeah. photos and photographers might be of a really high standard but you might prefer one style over another yeah. or like in the case of me when you did my photo shoot it was very much based on I needed someone who had a reasonably similar style to me even if I loved other photographers work I needed someone who had a style similar to me so that when I was putting more photos of myself you get a the brand I created yeah. And yeah. there's so many factors into choosing a photographer like you say when you reach a certain team it's not necessarily about the quality of the photography that people make the decision about it's who's taking it the style they're taking it where they're based it's so easy to forget that before we finish let's talk about publishing your book well you publishing your book how did it come about the idea behind it and where can we find it okay that's everything. So, to start off with, you can purchase it on my website. Uh, it's all on there for you. So, basically, I've created this book, which is called Equine, which is a mixture of a passion project slash a university degree final work. At the start of my third year of uni, we basically got given free reign. You could do whatever the hell you like. And probably easy to say that my degree was in marine and natural history photography so it's basically like wildlife and landscapes you can go off and you can do anything people can go and photograph the amazon or you can photograph horses which as me that's exactly what i wanted to do so i basically started the project with doing like a mass vision board from pinterest i didn't know what i wanted to do i had a couple of ideas none were sticking though so i printed off all these images that i was like yes yes oh my god yes the light and i printed them off and i showed them to my teacher and he went so there's an obvious horse theme which you know <laughs> given the fact that we're horse photographers is that's all i've done yeah fair fair assessment there thank you and he said no, no it's like yeah you like light and i was like yeah i love light and how it affects the horse's form and how you see it on the coat and how it just love light and as, as a photographer betty you probably feel exactly the same but you in particular are one of those photographers that i go she's always looking for that perfect light that perfect moment and you've become so good at capturing it it was like oh. she you're the one quote that sticks out is oh look at that light like you yeah. like, so much oh my god any any of my friends will literally be like what is evie's most said phrase and it'll be like oh, look at the light yeah literally look at the light and i do it like i will sit in, like in the field behind the house watching the light and i'll be like oh, look at the light oh god that is sexy <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we were doing this project about light and horses and yeah. i was like well i've done natural light like i do that in my equine portraits it's not going to challenge me so let's try studio lights never done them before scared the crap out of me to be fair they still do scare me because they're quite intimidating like getting to know them and use them so i just started this project i got over six months, I photographed 21 horses, over 20 photo shoots, and produced something ridiculous like 20,000 raw images. And I did everything from Shetland Pony, was it Shetland Pony? No, Welsh Section A Pony, all the way up to Suffolk Punch. And it's really important to me to photograph Suffolk Punches in the Suffolk landscape. Yeah. Like, to me, that is just, I am such an advocate for Suffolk that I was like, I need to do this. Anyway, so I did my 20,000 pictures and my mum was actually my lighting assistant on every single shoot. Oh, wow. This is the woman that has, like, likes horses but doesn't love them by any means. She's never done lighting or photography for me. And I just said to her, right, you're in, I need an assistant on every single shoot. You're about, you're now in a lighting assistant. And she, like, 
God bless her, was picking up lights. And then we got like, we, we basically got to the point where it was like a well-oiled machine. Mum knew how the kit worked. She knew how to connect it all up. She knew what I meant when I said closer, nearer, softer, darker, whatever sort of word I used. She knew what to do. It was yeah. amazing. And yeah, I got to the end of the project and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm just going to do some nice framed prints um, and my sketchbook. That'll look nice. And my lecturer was like, uh, no, how about you do something proper with them? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Is it a book, Evie? I mean a book. Go and create a book. Just go and do it and come back to you when you've got the proofs. And I was like, oh, okay. Scared the crap out of me because I've never done a book. Like, how do you even, to this day, I really don't really know how it even works. In my head, I was like, so how do I get in touch with Penguin, the publisher? <laughs> Which obviously, that's not what we were doing at all. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I found went through and picked out paper that was a massive point of it you want to pick on paper how that then affects the colors you've got to go through color profiles you've got to calibrate screens you've got to do all of that but, but before you get to any of that I want to decide on the content and it's a bit like how a lot of writers will put pen to paper I printed say I think 500 edited images I put them all on the floor and I started at the ones that gave me the most joy and I think this is a technique that I learned from Marie Kondo or Jessica Rose Williams that you pick those things that you love and you're like 110% that's going in the book so I did that and I took those images and I went okay so here's the core pictures I maybe have 30 or 40 and I was like right let's fill in the gaps here what do I need to tell the rest of the story because the theme of the book was to celebrate horses so it's to celebrate them and make them look amazing and powerful so it was then went into the books and I got in all the details like their tails and the muscle texture and their coat and I filled out the story till eventually it had like a core image which to me is the one of the Appaloosa in front of the sunset. And I worked out and I had this incredible, like almost mind map of pictures. And then from there, I then started pairing them up. And eventually I just had this like flow of a book and it, they all paired together. They all worked. And I sort of looked at them and went, okay, well, that's the easy part. I've now got to digitalize them and get them to a printer. If I'd had it my way, I would have just sent him the pick, the six by fours and gone, there you go, put them in a book. But yeah, I contacted lots of, publish it um printers and then after that i got samples back got the got the copy that i put for my exhibition and then i graduated and i sort of didn't do anything with it for six months because i think when you have these passion projects you need to let them sit and you need to have a break because they can be all consuming mm-hmm. would you agree 100 yeah you just i've got a fine art photography project that's kind of ongoing the last time i did a photo for it was probably over a year ago yeah and you've got to just let it last summer i've just let it sit whilst i'm thinking of new ideas that i could do i mean Mm. that project resulted in my new fine art photography packages but yeah i before i do anything for myself again regarding those fine photography i need to just i'm still sitting on it and still kind of deciding where i want to take the project yeah you just ponder it don't you yeah and one day it'll just click and you'll go okay i've got the energy for this i've got the creative flow so yeah, after six months after publishing the book and handing it in for this for final hand in I then went back, evaluated it all, looked at the feedback from my tutors, which was really helpful, and then created a version two, which is the version people can buy now. And that um, went to print just before Christmas. And uh, I'm absolutely thrilled with the final product, having given it that time and space to not look yeah. at it. No, you should so, uh, that's the That's the old Equine book. And one of those photos, I believe it was the photo of the Suffolk Punch, got shortlisted for the British... British photography awards yeah that's um one of my favorite images from the whole book 
that backlit Suffolk yeah. of it bending its neck. Um, because the fact that it's taken in Suffolk to me is like its heritage. It's got all, it's been properly plaited. It's got all its feathers in. And I just love that picture. I love it. And to have it nominated so in such an award is a real honour that they're, that people recognise. I think it's the heritage that, behind it, but the fact that it's a lovely picture as well. If you haven't seen it, head to Evie's website. You need to see this because it's a stunning photo. Did you use, which photos of yours got the Silver Bronze Award in the Training Barn Photographer of the Year competition? Oh, Were any from this project? Yes, one of them was the Appaloosa in front of the sunset. That got a silver award. Then it's actually one of the pictures that I took on a random trip to Dartmoor that, you know, when you snap pictures, put them on the hard drive, edit them a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, that's nice enough. I just edited it. I just stuck it in the competition because I was like, well, it's free to enter, so I'll just stick that in. It's all right. Yeah, and it went and won a bronze award. I was like, oh, that's nice. A- that's what happened with me. So I, I yeah. won a bronze award as well. And I, it's one of, well, it's probably one of the photos that is most associated with me now because of this competition. It's of a foal's nose. Yeah, I know the one. And literally I was having fun playing in the field with these two foals. They're probably not even six months old yet. Oh, cute. Got this photo. I was like, that's going to look great in black and white. Yeah. So converted it into black and white, edited it a little bit, fine-tuned some of the details. And I was like, I'm really pleased with this photo. It's a nice arty picture. There's, we can enter as many photos as we want into this competition. I'm going to enter it just to see what happens. There's other photos that I think are better in my yeah. mix of photos. Yeah. And that was the one they liked best. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And these competitions are free to enter. So if you're an equine photographer listening to this and you think, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough or anything. Bloody enter it, it's free. The people that run it are some of the most respected equine photographers in the industry. And you've got nothing to lose by entering. And the fact that when you win or you get get an award, you can say you're an award-winning photographer, which adds so much credit to who you are as a photographer. Because you'd rather work with an award-winning one rather than a non-award-winning, wouldn't you? Yeah, so I I recommend to anyone to enter these competitions. Because the worst case scenario is that you send an email in and nobody knows about it. If you don't, nobody knows. Best case scenario, your photo gets featured on Instagram and Facebook accounts that has thousands of followers. And you also start to build yourself a rep. You know, they these photographers that judge it, they know who you are at that point. You know, you're starting yeah. to gain a bit of traction within the in, in, across the industry, and you get that respect. Things like that, you can't buy that. You having an award-winning photographer is like a super easy way to get that credibility. I think. Yeah, and it also builds a community within those photographers, the other mm. photographers that has, have entered as well. Absolutely. So, no. so it helps build that community, which I think when you're working in such a niche industry, so important when you were talking about just then about your black and white picture of the muzzle you were saying about how you took the picture and you just knew that when it was converted to black and white it was going to work so would you say that that's like a creative thing or would you say that's like an academic you know your camera inside out sort of thing a bit of both yeah so i took the photo so the photo the the raw image is a bit more zoomed out than the that image that image is cropped yeah but i looked at it and went okay if we crop it into just the muzzle that's going to look like a great one the set i worked quite academically and scientifically so to speak in terms of the settings i was using to get the exposure to get the image when it came to post-production cutting it i was like the colors in the image don't quite work because it was quite yeah. a boring background she's a dark bay horse it was 
even though it was quite a bright photo, the colours in it looked quite dark. But I was like, with the slightly lighter background, let's just try it in black and white because I think that contrast between slightly dark, slightly lighter background with a dark horse's muzzle could be quite striking. So in fact, I'd have textures as well would just be like insane. That's it. So I experimented a bit by putting it into black and white thinking. Yeah. That's cool. And then I remember going there's still something not quite right so let's just play around with things like the contrast the colors of the blacks like you say the texture clarity i just literally just fiddled around until i got the result i wanted so i would say ultimately it's a bit of both i know my camera inside out i know what settings get me what sort of exposure what sort of photo where i need to position subjects for the light but often when it comes to editing the photo that that's where i get really creative yeah and would you would you say that you are a creative as a photographer i'd say i'm definitely more academic yeah that's um, really interesting yeah. generally when i've spoken like with family members and like friends and stuff they're like five years ago five six years ago we've never envisioned you as a photographer that everyone thought i'd go into like research or something scientific because fundamentally i'm a very methodical very logical person yeah. and i approach a lot of my photography like that but i have also always been very creative as well so it's it's a good balance of two kind of passions so to speak i love being creative but i also love almost solving problems so in the case of photography it's like you combine this shutter with this aperture with this iso with this composition you get the perfect photo Mm. and it's experimenting with those different things to create the solution which in this case is like a client's image i think that leaves this at a good place to finish Uh, So before we go, Evie, if you want to tell us where we can find you online, where we can remind us where we can find your book online and anything else you might, any projects you have coming on that you might want to promote. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube or at Evie Lewis Photography. And then my website is evielewis-photography.co.uk. Um... There isn't any exciting projects on the go apart from my best friend, Judy Dench. Uh, that project will be being released soon. Hopefully a rough cut will come next week. So, Oh, that's so exciting. That will, that's like in the works and I'll probably be talking about that soon. For those that don't know, Evie just collaborated, collaborated on a project with a friend where they got to interview Dame Judy Dench. So she can't say much more than that. So it's I so will exciting and say that we had champagne in her garden and she said that she would have hugged me if it wasn't for coronavirus so yeah that i can't wait to see the results of that project i think that's going to be so exciting it'll be be really cool so if you stayed for this long listening to our babble because i really think that is what we can call it hence the name conversations with thank you so much for sticking around um so thank you so much evie for coming on for my first episode. No pressure or anything. I look forward to seeing you soon. You will see me soon.